Joining us now, fresh from rehearsal just across the way, is pianist Kirill Gerstein, who's playing with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra tonight and this weekend. Welcome back to WRCJ. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, the Tchaikovsky First Piano Concerto is probably one of, some would even say, the most famous, iconic piano concerto in the classical repertoire. And uh, it turns out that the one that we're all so familiar with and and uh, and is so beloved isn't by Tchaikovsky. Well, sorta. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's that's a bit exaggerated. The uh, there are three versions of the concerto, the first concerto of Tchaikovsky, and that's a fact that's not uh, usually known. And the first version was one that he composed in 1875, and it was incidentally premiered in Boston by uh, a student of Liszt and a great com conductor and pianist, uh, Hans von Bülow. And uh, then, as it often happens with uh, composers, he heard it played in a number of performances, conducted some performances, spoke to pianists, and made a few very practical adjustments in the piano part that make it uh, just... Uh, a bit more comfortable to play. And that became the 1879 version. And that's the final version that we have of Tchaikovsky's intentions. And that's what he proceeded to play and to conduct himself from 1879 until the very last public concert that he gave eight days before his death in 1893, the famous concert when the Sixth Symphony, the Pathétique, was premiered, and in the second half was the first piano concerto. And uh, we now have, as one of the sources for the new critical edition that the Tchaikovsky Archive prepared, we have the score that Tchaikovsky himself used to conduct that very final concert. And that version, the 1879 version, is what I recorded on, on a CD, and this is also what we will play this evening in the next uh, two concerts after that with the Detroit Symphony. The version that you just referred to and the one that we are all used to hearing is, uh, is a third version, and it is a posthumous version. And there, uh, an editor uh, made a number of changes, some smaller and some bigger ones, and... Uh, that's the form that we're used to knowing the concerto in, but that is not uh, with authorization of Tchaikovsky, and that's something that was done after his death. Well, we, we happen to have uh, a sample of both the, the third version and the 1879 version that you'll be doing tonight. Uh, it might be useful to take a, a sample and see what we're talking about. Yes, one of the one of the striking differences is heard right at the very beginning. Here's Van Cliburn with the RCA Victor Symphony Orchestra, Kirill Kondrashen conducting.
extremely familiar. It's the one that we all grew up with, and, and in fact was a, a huge hit when Clyburn recorded that shortly after his triumph in Moscow. But here's the 1879 version uh, with my guest, Kirill Gerstein, and the German Symphony Orchestra of Berlin conducted by James Gaffigan. This is Tchaikovsky's final version. That's pretty different. And uh, what exactly is going on there? So in Tchaikovsky's own version, you have the famous uh, chords uh, accompanying the opening melody. You have them, you have them uh, broken, arpeggiated, meaning the notes are not played together, but rather one after another, the way a harp would do it. Mm. And uh, this is also a reference by Tchaikovsky to a folk instrument that is harp-like in the, used in the Russian folklore. And uh, the posthumous version has these, uh, so I would liken them to Soviet bombs falling on the, on the <laughs> head of the, of the orchestral melody. And there's already immediately a number of discrepancies because usually the pianists play these chords as loud as possible to show their prowess. And the orchestra is left with this strange marking by Tchaikovsky that is mezzo forte, meaning that it's meant to be played so medium, medium volume. And so, of course, they then ignore it and play it also as loud as possible. And you have this beginning that's very pompous and uh, rather bombastic. And in Tchaikovsky's own version, uh, this medium voice um, dynamic indication for the orchestra fits to these arpeggiated chords in the piano and uh, and the piano's flexible accompaniment immediately suggests a different way that the strings automatically play the melody. So the opening and thus the entrance into this concerto is much more lyrical and singing and flexible in, in Tchaikovsky's own version. There's an article you wrote uh, last year for the New York Review of Books that goes through all of this. I would highly recommend, by the way, dear listener, that you uh, Google Google it. Just uh, Google Gerstein Tchaikovsky, and you'll find uh, the article from the New York Review of Books. And you go through uh, the history of this. and uh, Yes, there's the detailed historical background explanation, and there's also a number of sound samples where further differences are highlighted. Because, for example, uh, in the third movement, there is uh, about 40, 50 seconds of, uh, quote-unquote, new music that you're usually not uh, hearing in performances of the concerto that that were cut all these years. And uh, in Tchaikovsky's own version, this is a longer middle section of the third movement, and that changes the... Let's say the structural, the architectural balance of the third movement, and th- thus 
the balance of the piece is 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 somewhat mm. changed as well. We will hear that uh, third movement at the end of the interview here. Um, th- how did this happen? I mean, we're, we're so used to thinking of a composer who writes a piece of music, and there it is, etched in stone, this is the concerto. But that's uh, not the case, obviously. Yes, it's not the case, and there are many ways in which, you know, the text of a composition goes through permutations and alterations, and very often from the composer. Uh, it's interesting that here we're not also talking about a piece that's uh, three or four hundred years old, and you know the sources are obscured. We're talking about something that you know was taking place between 1875 and 1893. But what happened in this particular case, it seems that uh, Tchaikovsky had a number of these uh, well-wishing uh, supporters in his circle that thought they knew better, and mm. and Mr. Zilotti, who was a student of his, who appears to have done that. It's interesting that there is no signature under this third posthumous edition, but but the sources point to it being Alexander Zilotti, and uh, he wanted to make it more superficially brilliant for the for the solace to shine. And I think um, the superficial uh, element is is added. And yes, it's it's in places a bit louder, but the but the balance of the piece, the musicality of the piece is altered, uh, and I think negatively so. And um, this was then uh, published by uh, by the publishing house, Jurgensen, that was uh, always uh, doing Tchaikovsky's uh, works. And they didn't, they weren't uh, completely clear about the fact that this was changed by an editor. They just published it and printed it, and that kept going into circulation. And, uh, and slowly, this is how, this is how the, the fog descends, or actually not so slowly, the fog descends on the sources and what's from the composer and what isn't. It's, it may be interesting to, to note that in 1912, so not very long after Tchaikovsky's death, uh, a very important student of his, Sergei Taneev, was a great composer, teacher of Rachmaninoff and Scriabin, and was one of the uh, first pianists to to play the the first piano concerto of Tchaikovsky. He uh, wrote a letter that we have today, uh, saying it is high time to get away from the editorial meddlings and mm. finally play what the composer himself wrote in in this piece. And now we fast forward to 2015, which is when this um, critical edition uh, came out, uh, prepared by the Tchaikovsky archive in Moscow. And finally, in 2015, after having examined countless sources and dated library materials and uh, looking for editions that had a stamp of a sale date uh, in their research to establish what was before Tchaikovsky's death and what was afterwards. And they finally have presented us the text that um, separates the editorial meddlings from <laughs> what is uh, Tchaikovsky's own um, text. And finally, you know, I think the composer does know uh, best, at least certainly in this case. My guest is Kirill Gerstein. He will be performing Tchaikovsky's own final version, the 1879 version of the first piano concerto tonight at 7.30 in Orchestra Hall. 
Also tomorrow morning in Orchestra Hall, 1045, a performance that will also be broadcast here on WRCJ. And then Saturday night at 8 o'clock in Orchestra Hall, once again, Ewan Markle, a friend of yours and colleague that will be conducting the orchestra. Uh, you, of course, played the the third version, the modified version, many times as a as a virtuoso. Uh, do you think you'll ever go back to that? No, I think I think not. You know, when I was I was getting ready with this uh, recording project for the for the CD uh, last year, I had a sort of uh, honest session with myself where I laid the two scores side by side, the posthumous version, Tchaikovsky's uh, own version, and compared all the differences and and tried to ask myself uh, uh, very seriously whether I think one uh, is better than the other, where whether there are moments in the posthumous version where I think, oh well this is a good this is a good idea that it should be the posthumous version. And and I did not come to that conclusion. In all the cases where the versions differ, I did uh, side with composer's own version. Yeah. And so, therefore, I would not go back to something I believe in less and something that is not by the composer. I am not um, saying that the third version should be, shouldn't be played. Many people are playing it, but I think it is important and part of the so the mission of of doing this aside from the aesthetic uh pleasure but one of the um points is that at least uh, this 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 issue is raised and it's fine to play the third version but perhaps it really should be known hyphenated or with a with an mm. asterisk that yeah. says that this is this is an uh, edited yeah. changed version we have many examples where you know how you have a uh, composer dash arranger and this is really such a case but i don't think we can any longer in good conscience um uh, sell the posthumous version as the version and as the version by tchaikovsky himself my guest is kirill gerstein go hear him tonight at orchestra hall or tomorrow morning or saturday night you can find out more at dso.org or just call the box office at 313-576-5111. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking with you, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a concert to get ready. Uh, and thank you for bringing us this, uh, shall we say, authentic version of such a beloved masterpiece. Well, it's a wonderful piece, and after... Uh, all these years of being played and and being heard, it has a richness that it that it continues to give, and a and a multitude of angles and ways it can be interpreted. So it's a um, it's a joy to play it, and the joy to be here in Detroit with the symphony and to speak to you, Kirill Gerstein. Thank you so much. Thank you.